Welcome back to the Big Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Avis, and sitting with me on the couch to my left is my co-host, Nick Wright. And today we're going to be talking about our 10 favorite Atari 2600 games. All right, Nick, here we are. We're doing another one of our uh, top 10 uh, or 10 favorites uh, and, you know, kind of an unexpected console, if you will. But uh, nevertheless, one of the most popular ever. Yeah. Um, the Atari 2600 uh, released on 9-11-1977. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a funny date now. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, not funny, but ironic or whatever you want to say it's it's a it's one of those infamous dates but uh back in 1977 it was no big deal it was just atari 2600 day or as it was known back then it was just actually called the atari i guess uh, or the atari video v- VCS. computer yeah. yeah the vcs yeah. the the video computer system yeah and the reason it was called that was because well it wasn't called the 2600 until the 5200 came out right which is, it's funny, you know, like I was doing a little bit of research on the 2600 before we went on, and I totally didn't even think about that. Like, why would they call it the 2600? I just feel like it's always been called that. Yeah. But no, it, it was um, it was only necessary when they released a new Atari system. Well, and kind of similar to that is, uh, you know, when you were saying that it came out in 1977, it it's so weird because it doesn't really seem that way to me because we got ours like in the early 80s i mean i was born in 1977 you know so i don't remember that and uh, it when we got it i mean it it seemed like it was a new thing and came out because it was still super popular because i remember there still being like and and what must have happened i think pac-man i think just came out because i i remember like it's a big deal and there's lines and lines and the people are selling out of it. And, you know, so it felt like the 2600 to me was new, but really it wasn't. It had been out for years already. First the Pac-Man eats through a maze of dots. <laughs> then the Pac-Man heads for the corner spots. Then he eats his pill <laughs> of a power pill. Only Atari makes the Pac-Man home video game, and you can only play it on an Atari video game system. Have you played Atari today? But uh, that's when we got it, was like when Pac-Man came out. Yeah, you think about killer apps nowadays, system sellers. Uh, For the 2600, it was for sure like in 80 when Space Invaders came out. And then again in like 82 or 83 when Pac-Man came out. So I was going to say 81. Well, you're right. Yeah, not not 83. 83 is actually when the video games crash occurred, right? Yeah, yeah. The yeah, great so it had to be. Like, that was around 83. Yeah, so it probably was more like around 81 because Pac-Man came out in 1980. Of course, and Pac-Man kind of had a hand in that. Yeah. It, it was so bad. Yeah, uh, 7 million copies of Pac-Man went out as, as rushed and poor uh, a game as it was. I think Pac-Man and E.T. are like the biggest names that 
had a hand in that crash. Well, let's talk like E.T. is the game that is the infamous game that everyone talks about when they think of what was responsible for the crash. And like there was all those bad E.T. games sold uh, or not sold. <laughs> let's let's not talk about E.T. though, because we'll talk about E.T. later. I think. We will. We'll talk about E.T. later. But I, I guess I was just saying that like you're right. Like Pac-Man was a game that is just as responsible for, you know, the crash. Yeah. yeah. As E.T. is e. like the one that everybody says, but. Pac-Man, it, everybody was buying it because of the name, and it was not good. Yeah, it, and you know, like as console as generations go, I mean, it took years. It will, it wouldn't be for another twenty years before like things started catching up. I mean, we were playing like subpar ports all the way up until like the Super Nintendo era, really. Yeah. Um, but you know that the subpar ports began. I don't want to say subpar. They were fun. They were definitely a lot of fun. We or maybe we just didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean you didn't you had the arcade version, but then at home, you know, that's just how it was. Yeah. You know. Hey, you didn't and know any better. It's... Pac-Man's so funny though because it's like he doesn't even turn around. No. He's just like always facing the Yeah, when he goes left, he just kind of backs up. He doesn't turn like up, down or anything. He's just always that way. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that little LCD Coleco version of Pac-Man basically just the same thing? Like it never turned around either, but it was yeah. an LCD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you expect a little bit better quality. But, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead when we start talking about games. We're just talking about the system itself. Um, I think, too, one of the reasons why we don't necessarily think back to the 70s as when it truly began, partially because when the, when the Atari came out, it was $200, which in today's money is $800. Yeah, it was expensive. It was a boutique item. Yeah. You know, not every it wasn't a household thing. Like not everybody had one. It wasn't until it probably lowered in price, it got some redesigns to that beautiful wood panel version that everyone had. Yeah, probably came down way way in price. You started seeing it in more and more places. Like I think Sears even had like some kind of deal where they, I think they had their own version of yeah. the console. Yeah, they had their name on it. Mm-hmm. So it was around that time and the release of you know some big games. That really kicked off. And I also think, too, that, you know, I feel like we didn't get one new. We probably got one secondhand, like in a yard sale or, you know, I I doubt that my family was able to afford one of these, you know, until like probably 80, 81. And I don't I I was I have no memory of buying one, bringing it home. When, When we got ours, it was like the greatest scheme that my dad ever pulled off i think oh i can't wait i've never heard this tell the story nick <laughs> yeah guys so it, i i was too young really i think to be begging for such things i i didn't really even have a clue about it but, but so i can thank my brother mark for begging and begging wanting atari 2600 and pac-man but uh so anyway so mom and dad you know, finally caved, I guess, at some point and got it. And, but, and, and I, you know, and like, because I was so young, I, I don't really know all the details, but the scheme was, though, that he brought it home, but acted like he borrowed it from a friend and we could only play it for like a couple of days or whatever. And I'm not even really sure why they even did this. I guess just to see if 
how much we enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> well, but, it was expensive. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I guess so. But uh, but yeah, so you know, it was it was this big thing that hey, you know, a friend from work let us borrow this, you know, and so we got to play it for a little while. But we had to, after a couple of days, <laughs> we had to take it back. Well, then it was like unveiled later on that surprise, it's ours, you know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It, it like blew our minds, you know. I don't know. Your dad was such a such a prankster, man. Yeah, such a jokester. <laughs> it's like the one time, like ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's uh, really funny, dude. But yeah, we we. Had but it was that it was Mark that was pulling the Ralphie like esque, you know, scheming ahead of time, yeah. you know, laying the. The groundwork, hinting, dropping hands. So we we got the twenty six hundred with Pac, and they you know they bought Pac Man at the same time, and of course it came with combat. Yeah, but uh, it, are, now are you sure it? Because I was reading, and combat was a pack in game, the original pack in game, but I, I was reading that later on the Atari twenty six hundred came packed in with Pac Man. Do you think it's possible you got it packed in? Well, I don't know if it came with both games or not because i know we had combat yeah so and who knows maybe they just threw in the box of pac-man along with it who knows what a pac uh, yeah i don't been. know but sorry go Pac- ahead pac-man was the reason that we got a 2600 though i know that but um when you know i sit down to play it and I was too little. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah, you were like three. It, <laughs> I, I would always just go like to the right, straight up into the ghost, and just <laughs> immediately died every time because the ghost would come out of the little ghost house like on the right side of that little square and come down at you, and yeah. I just went up and met him like every time. It just went. Like Nick, are you trying to get eaten by the ghost? Like every like I went through every life just. Straight into him and died, and I'm just having a ball. Oh yeah, I loved it. Oh yeah, you're doing something. You know, I could picture like one of my like Allison being about that age, a little bit younger. You know, somebody handing her a controller and she wouldn't care what's going on. She's yeah. just involved. I can remember doing that though and just loving it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's amazing. Now, do you remember? Do you have uh, memories of playing the arcade beforehand? Not before that. Okay. I, I don't remember. So really, Pac-Man 2600 was like your introduction to Pac-Man. <laughs> I never really thought about it that way, but I guess going by my explanations, it kind of sounds like that. So That's hilarious. <laughs> I guess we'll go with that. So you like walked up to the arcade for the first time. You're like, what is this? Why does he turn to the left? When you go <laughs> wow, Why is he so not eating different. a Pop-Tart in the middle of the screen? <laughs> oh, man, that's great. That's a funny story. And I wish, you know, I feel like I, I have such vivid memories of like every console I've ever gotten. But the 2600, I like I say, I I don't remember ever seeing a box for it. I'm just pretty sure that we just got one secondhand somewhere. Yeah. You know, like maybe somebody got a 5200 or something and then just gave us their 2600 or whatever. But, you know, my brother was huge into video games, so I bet he had the most. He was probably the catalyst to getting one in the house because my brother Billy didn't care and I was too little I looked up to my brother I wanted to do what he was doing but you know like I'm with you like I I remember playing let's see like you know just arcade games that I'd seen in stores you know like seen at home and the you know it began my fascination with getting that arcade port into the home we were all that way I guess yeah but uh yeah the 2600 uh 
as as it's known commonly nowadays. Uh, in '83 was the big crash. Uh, we'd had our innovations episode where we talked a bit about how Nintendo, one of their big innovations, was uh, creating like some quality assurance, some like some 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 you know some walls that you were put in front of some developers so they couldn't just churn out you know purina chow wagon yeah. exp- like whatever that game was yeah chuck the uh chuck wagon dog or something i forget but yeah there was a dog food game that i remember reading about uh, i mean everybody had a game kool-aid man had a game everybody yeah. did um but you know for oh for a couple of years though it was pretty special like you know, I, I was remembering uh, the box art and stuff for the Atari 2600. And I think that, you know, the 2600 box art is my favorite box art of any generation, any console generation. Yeah. It's just so, um, like, it, it, they look like album covers, man. They're just beautiful. They, like I, I do like them, but you know me and pixel art, though. So yeah. I like that first series of NES games. The black box cover is they're great. Yeah. And I love pixel art too, but and they're really different. You know, like when you go from like just like airbrushed characters that are supposed to represent a few pixels, you know, then you get the NES, which is getting a little bit more advanced. Like they just stick the pixels on the box art. Like this is what you're getting. Yeah. You know, you're not getting Indiana Jones and then you open up the game and it's just a few little pixels and mm-hmm. like, this is nothing like Indiana Jones. This is like a vague you know, like, like, dun, 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 like playing over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I hear you. So, so would you say that the NES is your favorite box art of all time? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Is I've, it? I've never really thought about it, but yeah, I guess. Yeah. Just well, that style, I guess. We have such fond memories of, you know, older the way games used to come packaged with instruction manuals and things like that. I don't remember instruction manuals in Atari games. Did they not come with instruction manuals? Oh yeah, they did. They did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were not really usually ever all that terribly thick. It might just be a couple pages. Okay. But I've still got a few, I think. That's awesome. I tell you what, the next time we have one of those, uh, we go to the uh, arcade expo. Like I might have to pick up a few 2,600, yeah. boxes and like display it somewhere because well, i really enjoyed the art sometimes they'll have a few like some of those tables will have like a box underneath and yeah. you can like flip through stuff and they sometimes they'll have like a few like instruction booklets and, and they're priced pretty reasonably because as we know they were just oversaturated yeah. with, you know like they couldn't sell the games you know like i see them like with still shrink wrap and stuff you know and they're not that expensive yeah um, so, you know that that's just kind of our introduction to the 2600 now we're going to get into the actual games uh, a lot of games. I mean, as we said, I mean, the system itself really was most popular from like late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. It was around for a long time. It didn't die an easy death. Like it, I remember like them still pushing twenty six hundred hard well into the Nintendo, the NES. Yeah, and just me like scoffing at it. Like yeah. you can't do that game justice. <laughs> Stop trying. <laughs> you can't do Mortal Kombat, Atari twenty six hundred. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're going to do our uh, 10 favorite, five for me, five for you. And uh, I tell you what, um, you can go first this time, because I think I went first last time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I I kind of hate to do this because, you know, it's arcade ports of just, you know, games I love, but, 
you know, I kind of like to give that console, like, you know, name games that are unique to that console. But anyway, um, first couple I'm going to start out with are arcade ports, but yeah, I just, it's, makes sense. it's what I played. It's you what know? you played. I mean, so anyway. don't, don't disingenuously throw a game out there just because it's, you know, unique to that right. system. So Donkey Kong. For the 2600. I mean, we played so much Donkey Kong, be it in the arcade, on the 2600, whatever. We, you know, all over Donkey Kong. If I remember correctly, Donkey Kong was your number one arcade game. I think it was. Yeah. I think you and Martin both had it number one. That or Super Mario Brothers, one or the other. Well, yes, versus Super Mario was really high because it made the 10 on its own. But I'm pretty sure Donkey Kong was your number one. So it makes sense that that would be like one of your most played. And uh, Donkey Kong on the 2600, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this was the first game that my brother like saved like his birthday money or whatever saved money for that he bought on his own. That's awesome. That was like a big deal that, you know, he paid for this game and that one was his. Now... That was that's interesting because it's a Nintendo license. What did the cartridges look like? Were they was it white? Am uh, I remembering that right? Yeah, it was kind of a tannish kind of white, off white, off white kind of color. I thought so. Yeah, because I and, uh, I had it, but I don't. I didn't play it a whole lot. Not because I didn't love it, but there was just I just didn't play it all that much. I think I got it like later in the life cycle. Put out by Coleco. Coleco, that makes sense. Yeah. That's kind of funny that uh, Nintendo didn't port it. But. Yeah, Nintendo, they, you know, sold the rights to Coleco to be able to. um, Pay the bills? Produce it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nintendo is just starting out. So, you know. And Coleco is. They were the big. Well, they're they're both like big toy companies, right? Yeah. Makes kind of sense too, because Nintendo was a really big toy company and card company before they were big in you know video games. Coleco was like a huge deal in the toys back in the eighties, so you know why not? Yeah. Um, now remind me the port. How how close was it to the arcade? Did it have uh, the levels, or was it just the first level? There were two. It actually had two levels. I was talking on usually a four. Yeah, four, four levels. Because the yeah. elevator and the pie or cement factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it only had, you know, the first one and the uh, the girders or the rivets where you jump. So the like the second level in the U.S. That yeah, they, okay. Those are the two that I would probably want the most. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> and it was funny because like Donkey Kong was just like this big just block, you know, <laughs> so ugly. And, like, it, when you'd walk up the ladder, that's when he would beat his chest. You know, it wouldn't be, like, you know, the arcade would kind of just, like, randomly, I, I don't know what timing it might have had, but, you know, he every once in a while he'd beat his chest or whatever. Right. But yeah. It was, like, literally mapped to going up the ladder. So you can, like, just, like, go up and down the ladder just repeatedly just to make him just keep beating his chest over That's over. hilarious, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I remember, like, <laughs> noticing that. You caught on to that even back then, huh? Yeah, catching on and. Just You're like, I want to make him beat him his chest. Yeah. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. Ah. <laughs> cool, man. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'll throw some like video footage of the game like while we're talking and, about it. But and I'll the barrels, to, every, when you jump over the barrels, I remember thinking that the barrels looked like cookie crisp, like, like cookies, like rolling down the 
the girders and as they're spinning down the yeah it just for whatever reason it reminded me of cookie crisp (laughs) did they have like did they have little spots on them they did yeah they had like little little spots around them that's so funny i mean it was like in a circle it wasn't like just like everywhere yeah yeah. like chocolate chip cookies but it was like a little circle of little spots that's awesome yeah, well, you know, it, it did what it could. I, I'm I'm trying to picture what Donkey Kong would have looked like in 2600 in my head, but uh, I'm sure what I'm imagining in my head, I'm giving it way too much credit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think of that NES board being pretty good. Uh, this is a 2600, so you got to, you know, temper your expectations. Now, some some graphics were pretty good. Some developers, like, had a, you know, were able to, you know, get oh, like the most out of the it. The ColecoVision port looked very good. Yeah. Yeah, the ColecoVision. I forgot all about that. I never had one of those. Mm-hmm. It looked very close to the arcade. I never had it though. Hmm. Cool. I wonder if they. Um, wonder why. I wonder if they had an exclusive right to that too, because you know, how, like things are now. If like Coleco was making, you know, the port of the game, and they were also like making those little like miniature arcade cabinets too. You know, they had. They clearly had that license. I wonder what your ColecoVision came out, and if Donkey Kong came out on twenty six hundred later. I'm probably thinking too much in terms of today with timed exclusives and stuff. Back then, they just shotgunned it out on anything they could, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, how Namco made, like, you know, Galaga and, like, all those other games. And Pac-Man, you know, Namco made Pac-Man. But in the States, you know, Bally Midway put it out. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's the same thing. Nintendo made Donkey Kong, but Coleco put out the games... You know, for all the consoles and whatnot, because Nintendo didn't have its own console at the time. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, um, that's Donkey Kong. It's first on your list. Uh, yeah, I'll blame you. I mean, if you played it a bunch, throw it on there. Why not? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with a, a port, like an arcade port for my number one as well. And uh, I'm sad that it didn't really get its time uh, to shine in our arcade episode when we were counting down. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give it its due right here uh, with Space Invaders. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the, the classic Taito game uh, was a big, big hit for the Atari. Probably the first big hit for the little console. So like over 2 million copies, I think. Yeah. Which is pretty huge. And, you know, it played pretty well. Like It was I, good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it wasn't bad at all. And um, I think back to actually having access to that arcade at my grandma's... Um, I said before it was a basement, but it really was like a patio, covered patio, like inside. Um, you know, I, I would play it at home, and then I'd go over there and play it, and then I'd go back home and play it, and it's not like a huge letdown. It felt pretty good. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, like, Space Invaders, for me, is an interesting case where I played far more of the 2600 Space Invaders than any other Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Donkey Kong... I played in the arcade a lot, you know, I I played everywhere, Donkey Kong, and and probably 2600, the least amount of Donkey Kong, but Space Invaders, I didn't really play in the arcade so much, and so, like, when I picture, like, those aliens, it's, like, the 2600 graphics that I would picture first, rather Mm -hmm. than, like, the arcade sprites. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I can understand that, and, um, you know, I... I think about that game, and it, you know, it had all the sound effects. Uh, you know, there it wasn't compromised really in any way. You still shot through the shields. Yeah, um, he's a madman. He's a madman. <laughs> <laughs> Futurama reference. Uh, 
Um, but you know, the the game itself isn't extremely complicated, but it it was it laid the groundwork for a lot of really popular games that came later, like Galaga and Galaxian and um I'd be willing to bet too that a lot of people our age probably were exposed more to the twenty six hundred version than the arcade, just like you said. Well, you know, and I kinda made this comment when we were talking about Space Invaders when we were doing our arcade episode that the cabinet wasn't super kid friendly either because you couldn't see it. I had it, to sit really high up on a stool. Yeah, because of the way like it was angled in the cabinet, you mm-hmm. couldn't see the screen. I pulled up some YouTube video um, watching a guy play the arcade, and I, I saw what you're talking about. It was definitely weird. Yeah, it. I mean, it is. It's a lot different than any other arcade cabinet because you know I, I could see other arcade cabinets, but Space Invaders was set angled down into the cabinet more and like you know the plexiglass up front was more straight up and down that you, you're kind of like <laughs> you can't get in there and see it yeah you know? I, I, like i say, i remember I we had, had a stool, stool out there yeah yep and uh you know even then it was kind of tricky because then there's all that like artwork inside too you know yeah. so like you have to look over that had so like the moon kind of surface on it mm-hmm um, but you know, uh, Space Invaders, it, it was the killer app of of the late seventies, early eighties, and you know, I, I definitely remember playing that game a whole lot. So you know, it's it, it was kind of like my Street Fighter for the day. I played a lot of it at the arcades, and I played a lot of it at home, and I have a lot of fond memories of playing Space Invaders. Yeah, and it utilized um, a feature that Twenty Six Hundred had for a lot of its games where they would make a lot of different variations where you would hit like that button. Oh, yeah, we didn't really talk about that. Little toggle switches. Yeah, Yeah. and so you could play like either with like no shields or you could make the, 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 your ship fatter so it was harder because it was a bigger target it's like dip switches man like you you yeah. got to uh, take advantage that's a great point about the atari they did have all those like different like inputs and you know you could get you know you, it's really just it, the slight variation like, of each game but it, it was they sold it as another yeah that game. was like their way of saying like <laughs> it's got 50 games yes <laughs> <laughs> they did man i was looking at some of the box art earlier and uh yeah 50 games like come on man that's just Pong with a different color. (laughs) Pong with an odd, just a slightly different shaped ball. Uh, But I mean, you know, Pong was a big deal um, just prior to the the 2600 came out or came out. And let's talk about that too. Like, it's funny. There was never an actual Pong cartridge sold. I can't believe that. Yeah, I was trying to think. And finally we determined, oh, it's under Video Olympics. Yeah, Video Olympics. It's that. It's one of those cartridges that has like 50 games. I remember playing Pong. Totally. With paddle and everything. Yes. Lots of memories of playing Pong. And I was like, well, I remember that they had like those... You know, I like Magnavoxes or whatever. Like there, there were definitely like Atari-like systems that only played Pong. Like they weren't cartridges, and they're similar in the apparent. brown box. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, am I just mistaken the twenty six hundred for like some of those other older systems? I was like, no, I definitely remember using the paddle, and I guess they had paddles too. But you know, it it was it was on you know like you said, what was it called? Olympic uh, sport video Olympics. Video Olympics. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Pong, I, I feel like that deserves a shout out. But also just if you guys are out there looking for Pong and you, you know, like, why isn't Pong on the top 100 games like Atari? Like you go out and you look at other lists like it's not on there. It's because it's just part of another game. 
It's one of 50 games. Um, but yeah, that's that's my number one. Nick, what's your number two? Uh, number two, so I got another arcade game. Cubert. Which was another that I think ranked fairly high on my arcade list, but it was in our top ten, so we both probably had it fairly high. I think top. it was pretty well done on the twenty six hundred. It really was. I played a lot of Cubert on a twenty six hundred. The Cubert is, if nothing else, a super colorful game, and uh, the colors are represented on the twenty six hundred. It, it's 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 you know like you said it's really well done i think too that with the 2600 joystick that it uh it, it translated well that you were able to and, and it, it would tell you too to like hold the joystick like at an angle so it was kind of like at, at so a diamond match shape. Like the arcade. Yeah, so, so that you could get those angles now that you bring that up the atari 2600 was just a joystick with a single red button yeah and uh, it, it tried to mirror more of like an arcade. And it wasn't until the 2600 came along and just like usurped everything, everybody. And then they had the gamepad. So like that's what we think of now. And then, of course, analog. Mm. But, you know, for a while it was just that big, stiff, you know, rubber plastic that I used to chew on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it's just oh, great. It was just like a dog and a bone. I just I remember having like later on in life like in its life cycle like i had two controllers and like one the thing had come off because i chewed on it so much like why did i do that i feel like one of ours like something was like broke inside of it or something because you could kind of hear it like click oh yeah it was like click 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 they weren't really well made i guess (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh yeah cubert uh trans it, it ported really well to the 2600 maybe one of the better ports as far as arcades go and it's not on our list. We're not talking about it. But Frogger was like another one of those games that seemed to trans like seemed to port pretty well. You know, Twenty six hundred. I didn't never have Frogger yet, so I I'm not super familiar with Twenty Six Hundred Frogger. It's pretty good. I love the Frogger arcade game though. Yeah, it, it's I fairly. Just, I don't know why I, I, we never really got Frogger on Twenty Six Hundred. I don't know. It was one of those two that had like you know we talk about cartridges or we haven't actually talked about cartridges but you had like your standard kind of rectangular shaped or whatever but then you had this other type that Parker Brothers would put out it seemed like yeah that was kind of um kind of like had an angular angle. yeah it was kind of angular it was weird and it had like little grooves in it yeah you know it's it very different but Parker Brothers the board game company did a lot of Atari ports. Like they, I remember them you know, doing a I bunch. read, I, I don't remember what it was now. Maybe we'll have to look it up and like type it in like the Facebook comments or something. But uh, there was a reason that they were different. And I had read what the reason was, but I don't remember now. It had something to do with like licensing and uh, being able to produce the games or something. <laughs> I forget what it was. But anyway. Interesting. I'd like to maybe read a book on the 2600 sometime because I bet you there's just tons. Of, like, well, Nolan Bushnell was kind of known as he was a bit of a character. 
yeah. for a, who was one of the founders of Atari. So I, I bet you there's just a really ton of good little factoids that I could pull from like a, cause I've seen them, you know, like history of Atari, you know, history of video games prior to the game crash. And then I'd like to also learn more about the game crash too, if possible. Yeah. Uh, we'll, but we'll probably get into the crash more when we, we get towards ET. I'm sure it'll come up more. But you know, back to Qbert. Back to Qbert. Um, you know, interesting thing also about Qbert. It's a game that color is so important with it, because mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the game is changing the cubes to match, you know, the color. Right. But we always played our twenty six hundred on a black and white TV. Oh, oh my God, you're right. We. Uh, we didn't even have like a color. I mean, we had like a color TV. You had to rely on just different shades of gray and stuff. N- would not get hooked up to the color TV like oh for whatever gosh, reason. You're so so we, right, we had dude. like this little black and white TV that was for Atari. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it, like when I see like 2600 games being played like on an emulator or whatever now, and I see them in color, they it's like, oh, wow. You know, they look so different because I'm not used to seeing them in color. Dude, you're so right. Uh, we we had one hooked up to the main TV, but we also had, like, do you remember back in the 80s? Like, they had these, like, little portable, like, they were, like, combination black and white little televisions and radios. Yeah. Yeah, so we had one of those, too, and that was kind of like mine. You know, I got to take that into my room and hook up games to it, and that's how I played my 2600 a lot on that black and white TV. It's so funny you mentioned that totally forgot and with cubert with the you know your points you were getting to with colors like you just kind of had to look at the shades yeah that's all you really had and, 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 uh, and you can do it i mean it wasn't a problem yeah but it's you don't you're not taking advantage of that color palette yeah. that's so familiar with cubert wow man gosh totally forgot about that <laughs> and just thinking about just the old hookups with with black and white tvs and whatnot too vhf yeah that little like uh, rf little Prong. adapter slider thing Oh, you would God. like slide it from like TV to game. You kids today are so spoiled with your HDMI's, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like that. Yeah, it had those prongs. You had to like screw it. And down. they always I broke. I, I remember like many trips to like Radio Shack buying the replacements of those. Like you had the official Atari one, but then I had, remember having like all these like crappy third party versions because you know those those like prongs would get damaged over time. I mean, at least ours did. I mean, you guys are probably I, way more no, careful I mean, with yours. Yeah, I never damaged. I don't know. What you're I, I moved about. mine a lot, and like we had the main hookup in the you know like the living we, room. We never undid it. It just yeah. Did. Well, they were really delicate, man. If like you were like undoing it, because like I can I have all these memories now flooding back in my head of a, me with a butter knife. <laughs> well, <laughs> like and, fishing around back there. And you're not exactly the craftiest person in the world either, so I, guess I can kind of see how this might happen. <laughs> you saying I? Yeah, I break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I broke your dad's expensive sander that one day. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that was just inexperience. Yeah, uh, that, that was an accident. I mean, yeah, you sanded over the cable. <laughs> it chewed up the cable. <laughs> I remember thinking your dad was gonna kill me. I'm like a grown man, and I'm like, oh no. You're like, what's that smell? <laughs> I was, was like, I remember grinding on it for a second, and then like it just stopping, and then your dad was like totally cool about it. He yeah. just like fixed it up with some like. You were more embarrassed than anybody. Oh my god, I was beside yeah, myself, man. <laughs> Leave it to Ron to tear it up, but he was cool. He took it in stride. Um, uh, I was thinking more of things like 
when you would put together like your coffee table but <laughs> use the wrong screws and so you're grinding them down yeah 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 it would pop through the top yeah <laughs> you know i've gotten long so much instead of the short it's just screws. you know like i mean we're talking about like growing up in my childhood like I didn't, I wasn't, you know, like nobody showed me anything. So it, it <laughs> yeah. took experience. Like now I'm so much better at putting things together. Yeah. You know, like I put everything in the house together now and it seems to be holding together. Okay. And I'm not like damaging them real bad, but you're <laughs> totally right, man. I remember that coffee table where like I'm screwing, you know, and it's, and it's kind of a cheap coffee table too. Cause you know, it's like one of my first moving out. And so it's not like exactly strong wood anyway. So, you know, like I just punched through right through the top. You just kept grinding down on And it, it cracked, the surface cracked. So like I like I glue it back on so it just looks so terrible. Yeah, there was something or other. I don't remember what it was, but you put together recently and Laura even told me like, Oh Ron did this and I look at it like, Hey, I'm impressed. I was you're gonna job. say like I don't wanna sit on that now. Yeah, you did it you did it right. Thank you. Just experience. It took a little experience. Oh hell. But yeah, so you know, it wouldn't surprise you that I would damage some stuff like yeah. that, not really thinking about what I'm doing. Yeah, because I, I probably I don't what even it know was, what you're talking about. I never had a problem with any of Well, them. I didn't have good tools, so like I like I said, I'm back there with a butter knife and I'm kinda struggling to get it twisted and I probably would just get impatient and jerk it down too yeah. early or something. Uh, yeah. Who you, knows? You probably ripped it off. <laughs> I probably I'm like, it's really delicate. You're like, yeah, dummy, because you're not supposed to rip it off like while you're trying to unscrew it with a butter knife. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry that I, uh, you know, threw Blame a tire under the bus. Shoddy, like, equipment. <laughs> it's like, why can't I just sand straight through this cord? Come on, man. This is cheap stuff. <laughs> uh, so is it my turn to go number two? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, pick yeah, my second I, I game. Guess, I'm done with Qbert. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Qbert was fun. Yeah. And it, I, I thought about it being on my list too, but. I guess um, <sighs> the Qbert the part, I guess, was missing Huggin' Wrong Way, but it pretty much had everything else. Um, yeah, it was all of that game. Played it tons and tons. Myself. Okay. All right, number two. Number two for me is a game that, you know, you're not going to be able to talk much about because. You know, it comes to it comes to find out, or I've come to find out that not too many people really played this game like I did, but it's Vanguard. Yeah, you're always talking about Vanguard. Anytime we're talking about our favorite arcade games, you talk about Vanguard. Yeah, bring up Vanguard. I don't, I don't know. You know, it it was at more than a couple of different convenience stores around my neighborhood. You know, growing up, you know, so I I know it was out there, but I just it's funny that you I mean, guys. It, I I've heard of it. I just never played it really. Yeah, um, you're in a spaceship, and you know they would show like a little map before the game starts, and you know you just work your way through that map, and it, it has like levels, and not a lot of games back in those it, days had levels. It has levels. like levels. It has levels, <laughs> but not a lot of games had levels. It was just like ice cream that just continuously goes on and on and on. This game, like I felt like you were actually on an adventure. You know? You'd, oh yeah. Yeah, it was really cool, and I was like looking at the box art, and it looks like. Something's right out of the black hole, like that old Disney movie from back in the day. Um, but it, I remember like so well, like you know, and with you, the uh, with the little R two D two rip Robbie? off. That, no, uh, not Robbie. Uh, what that was his floats name? Around and yeah, it, he looked it's like, like a, a flying R two D two. Yeah, well, yeah, he was like a flying R two D two, just kind of a rip off of R two D two. What was his name? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was just like some numbers. But I remember that 
red robot too that had like the propeller hand or whatever oh yeah that's like the only thing other than flying r2d2 that's the one thing i remember about that movie oh that was awesome yeah and like the guy's like holding up like i don't know like a newspaper or something i don't even remember it was like a pillow or i don't know what yeah but it was like like shredding it oh man that's like terrifying (laughs) maximilian Now, I do think he had just had, like, letters and numbers for some reason, but I, I haven't seen that movie since the 80s, early 80s, but I remember watching I that a lot as a kid. It was, it was cool back then. Probably it's terrible now. Um, but, you know, yeah, back to Vanguard. Um, it, it had those, like, levels. Uh, like, you'd go left, right, and then it would switch it up. Like, you'd go for a while, and then you you start going from bottom to top, and uh, it had, like, this cool thing called Rainbow Zone. And I remember the arcade, like it had the speech, like you'd get to that level and it would go rainbow zone and you had these little like floaty balls going from left to right. But the 2600 didn't have this speech. It didn't have the speech, but it had pretty much all the levels. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty close port. Um, in fact, I really only remember playing the arcade a handful of times because uh, it was harder. Yeah. But uh, the 2600 beat it numerous times, like hundreds and hundreds of times. Did it actually had an ending? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like it had this Star Wars ending where you get to uh, a final like boss and you had to like shoot a torpedo like at him like through like some force field stuff. Mm-hmm. If you land the shot, then you win. That's cool. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it just starts over again. Mm. But it was really really fun, and I remember too like when you you had like in like a you know invisibility from time to time like you like a star in Mario you could just kind of hit it and you could run into en- enemies and kill them and it would do this. Like Superman kind of song, like da da I mean, I know that's not Superman, but it reminded me of Superman always. Yeah. You know, I'm just like ramming into stuff and having a great time. But you know, I I know you can't really speak to Vanguard, but you should check it out. Like since you got the emulation, you know, yeah. give it a, give it a try. Sure. I think you'll like it. Pull it up. I, I I did add like when we were talking about uh, Genesis games, and I think we mentioned. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but I know you and I have talked that like Gunstar Hero, everybody talks about Gunstar Hero being like really good Genesis game. Yeah, it didn't make our and, list uh, because neither one of us yeah, played it and we really didn't want to disingenuously it. say, well, that's on our list. And, yeah, so I added that onto like my, a list of my emulators like for Genesis and I did, so I did try that out. Yeah, it's, it's neat. It, it's like Contra kind of. It's the it's cool. The graphics are you know. It's like Contra. It, it reminds me a little bit too of like Metal Slug, which like is cartoon. just really awesome version of Contra. I guess it's like cartoon Contra. Um, but yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, it, I I assumed I would liked it if I ever got around to playing it. But we're at that stage now where we really only play those games for memories of like back in the day. So we if yeah. we skipped over it when it was popular and new. Yeah, because you know, yeah, it's it's you're used to better games now and yeah. so you know that you only played the old games for the nostalgia value right. really it's why I don't, uh, it's why I've never gone back and played like a game like Mario RPG yeah. even though I like I understand like it's a cool game it was a really cool game for its time and it's it's up my alley probably for the style of RPGs that I like to play not too heavy not like JRPG style and with like characters that I care about already I'd probably dig it, but I mean, I just couldn't get, I probably just couldn't get over like the fact that the graphics are just so dated. I like the 
graphics on Mario RPG. Yeah, they're cool. I, I like them. And I thought they were really neat back in the day. Yeah, that pre-rendered kind of look. But anyway, yeah. 2600. Yeah, back to 2600. Yeah, you know, we're going to skip around. It's yeah. just going <laughs> to remind us of things, other things that we like. That's how we roll here on Big Geek. All right, so that's all I got to say about Vanguard. You know, um, thank you for indulging me on that. Uh, like I say, it, it's another one of those games that I really didn't get to mention in our arcade episode. So Atari's Redemption, you know, it's a good little place. And and from here on out, we're going to have more, you know, Atari games, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Not your arcade ports. So what do you got for number three, Nick? Well, okay. So number three, um, I can't, you know, I feel like this game needs a little bit of love. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's, it's not as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Yeah, it's not that, it's not the greatest game either, you know, but it's just not as bad. And E.T. E.T., the extraterrestrial. I'll just say right now, wasn't a fan. We played a lot of E.T. back in the day. And the biggest problem, I think, with E.T. and why everybody hates it is that they just don't understand the mechanics. And because, you know, like, because people complain that they can't get out of a pit. They always fall into a pit. So there were mechanics. Well, yeah, I mean, you just, you got to know how the game was made, really. How long did it take for that game to get made? Was it three weeks? Well, like a week or something. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they paid through the nose, I'm sure, for the I mean, license. When do you think about how quickly this game was, like, programmed <laughs> start to finish? Give it, <laughs> <You> <laughs> Give it a break. Give it a break. The poor guy that made Development teams have cycles of, like, four and five years nowadays. With, like multiple people on a team you know like 30 40 50 people to make a game but this guy like was it one guy uh, yeah i think so I think it was and i can't remember Isn't that now amazing? Who it was but the, uh, atari's already making money hand over fist at this point and this is this just goes to show why that crashed they're making money hand over fist and they they give they they put this guy under the gun like to get it out i guess cuz it was a timely thing like we got to get it out around the movie i suppose and and they or the holiday they manufactured like I don't remember how many times more ET cartridges than even twenty six hundred consoles that were out in the wild. Did they not keep track of how many they sold or something? I don't know, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> That's like, insane. Like, what are people gonna do? Like, buy multiple ETs just because it's ET? <laughs> the hubris, man! Oh, this game is so great. You're gonna have an ET cartridge for every bedroom. For every TV, you'll buy more Atari 2600s just to, to keep up with all of those. That's insane, dude. Yeah, famously buried in a land, uh, like a landfill in New Mexico in 1984, I guess, is when they buried all those. Yeah, something And it's like totally that. legit. It is real. Yeah, they dug them up. Yep. Do you see the Netflix documentary? Yeah. It's, they're actually there. They I, found I them. found it very interesting, too. It's, an, it's insanely interesting. You guys should check that out. Uh I don't, I don't know if it's still available on Netflix necessarily, but um, look for it because it's cool. Yeah. It's this great little thing that you're like, oh, no way. That's got to be urban legend. It was told in such a way that it was seemed like urban legend. Yeah, like for the longest time, people were always like, you know, this is what they say. Nobody knows for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it ended up being true. 
Yep, they found them. <laughs> they found the darn thing. I don't know. I don't know necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's the not just ET. I mean, they dug up a lot, lot of old stuff. Just yeah, old stock that you know that didn't get sold. I don't remember why they buried them. Why did they bury them? Did they? I'm sure they covered it in the documentary, but I don't remember why they decided to bury them. Just, just, just so it, much. It's just unsold, garbage, and that's what you do in a landfill, maybe. So much unsold product that was just sitting in a warehouse. Yeah, maybe that's just how landfills work. You just bury stuff. It's not like they were like, like we're not only going to throw it away, but it needs to be underground. Well, what are you like envisioning? <laughs> like they went out like at three a.m. or something, <laughs> <laughs> dug a hole. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there was a procession, you know, <laughs> everybody drove out there in their cars. They put it in the ground. Yeah, I just, you know, I have no idea how landfills work. That's probably not all that unusual, but. But, you know, when I was talking about, you know, everybody falling in the pits. and Yeah, yeah, the, talk about the game. Yeah, because, you know, like, to to rise up out of the pit, he raises up his head, you mm-hmm. know, and he floats up out of the pit. Because that's then, what he does in the movie. And then when you get out of the pit, he lowers his head back down. And, and it's at this point that, you know, you're like, you're vulnerable again to fall in. Right. Well, when you come up out of the pit, it, there'll be like a pixel of his foot that'll still be touching the pit when he lowers his head down and he'll immediately fall back down. So if you keep, and, and but naturally, you know, everybody's going to just keep, they're pushing up on their joystick. And so they're floating Getting up, they're pushing pit. up. And so they're, they're always like moving north when they come back to the map screen and going up out of the pit. And, and if you just do nothing but keep pushing up, you're just going to keep falling back down. That's crazy. Well, if you come out, like move out to the left or right or, or down even once you get back to the map screen. when he lowers You're not going to fall back in the pit. Yeah, when he lowers his head down. But that's just not bad programming. Like pit, I mean. well, <laughs> he had a week. Get a week, yeah. Get a week. <laughs> you imagine, like you know. So yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say that. I mean, yeah, that that is kind of an, an overlooked, you know, bad programming. Well, your point but, is, it's a fun game if when, you get over that. When yeah, when you get over that and you realize, oh, this is what I have to do to get around that. And yes, again, you shouldn't have to get around these things. Mm-hmm. But he did it in a week. Yeah. Well, and another thing is too, and we've alluded to this in the past. And like, if you got a game, and games were expensive back then, um, you had you were stuck with that game. It's not like you could just like go buy another game or, you know, return it for store well, credit. That was the or, big thing. Is so everybody thought that it was like defective, yeah. and everybody's returning them. They're well, that's true. I guess returning they could all these ET cartridges left and right. Well, yeah. and that that's what that's what the landfill was. It's all the returned ones, I think. Oh, you're right, dude. They couldn't resell them. Yeah. Okay. Because they had to go like through these uh, like testing like different phases. Mm-hmm. Like all of the returned ones had to go through. You're testing. absolutely right, dude. I think that's what it was. And it just it's not worth it. Those were all the returned versions. Holy crap! You're absolutely right. But. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was really it was cool too that the 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 world, the overworld, it was like in a cube, like every it, every kind of map connected to each other. Like if if you laid it out on a cube, and it would kind of you know if you were looking at it three dimensionally, that you knew like where to go 
you know, wherever you were, like if you were at the spot where the forest is, then you could know, you know, if I go north, it'll be this board. If I go to the, you know, east, west, south, whatever, then if you knew like three dimensionally how it was laid out, then you could find your way around. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so you could find all the different phone pieces and call home and, and so you, that was the end you, game is to find yeah, all the pieces you, you of the could phone. actually beat et there was like a start finish to et which and actually i did it recently because mm-hmm. when i was setting up my emulator i uh, i put a bunch of atari 2600 games in it i fired up et and i beat it right there the first first playthrough was, eh, let's play et and got all the pieces all phone was. home <laughs> you just gotta know how to play it just gotta know how to play it it's not the game's fault I mean, it doesn't help that it wasn't put together, but it was a, like you said, it was like a week. It's it's not the best game in the world. So don't get all up in arms and mad just because Nick was like, he's not trolling you guys, you know, like throwing <laughs> ET in there. It's a misunderstood game. It it's a misunderstood game. I just feel like it needs a little bit of credit. Fair enough, dude. Fair enough. Because when I like mention my well, not my next game, but I have some games coming up that's probably responsible partially for the crash too. And, and it's like you said though, you know, you made the comment before that, you know, you you played what you had. You know, we didn't really have all that many games, and so we had ET. We played the heck out. So you of guys ET. didn't think it was defective. You just were like, no, I'm gonna keep playing this. Yeah, thing. I'm just I'm gonna keep playing it. And I'm gonna figure it out. We yeah. figured it out. Well, plus it's E.T. I mean, like, fewer things were as popular in, like, that time period than E.T. Yeah. And, like, even I saw that in the movie theaters back in the day. So you want to like this game, yeah. you know, a lot. It would be like the equivalent of us being, like, older and wanting to really, really like a Turtle game or something. I, to or me, Ghostbusters game. The more frustrating thing about that E.T. game to me was not falling in the pits. It was when those, uh, like... There, there were the two enemies. There was like the guy and the lady, and they would like carry you away. And I'm like, you know, let me go. Or they, they take your phone pieces away. Like one of them will carry you back to like a certain spot, and another one will like take a phone piece away. Who from are these you. people? The government? But, yeah, it's like the government officials oh, okay. or something. <laughs> like FBI agent or They're something. not going to test on you. They're just going to like inconvenience you a little bit and throw you back to the start. I, I feel like. Um, like maybe like the guy was like an FBI agent. I, I don't know who the lady was. I forget. But yeah, I mean, I found them to be more annoying than falling in the pits because they, they'll just like walk right through the pit. They're just like, they'll just beeline right at you. They're coming. <laughs> of course. And, and so you start running fast to get away from them. And of course, you'll fall in a pit at that time because you're trying to go too fast. But anyway. Sounds like you had a lot of fun with the game, you know, and it's certainly a, a it's, it's, um, it's polarizing to say the least. <laughs> I, I played a lot of ET back in the day. Like I said, I didn't care for it, but I was one of the people that just didn't understand it. And uh, I don't think I'd bought it. So I'm sure I just played it at a friend's house. And, you know, I was like, oh, hey, ET, I want to play that. Put it in for a few seconds. God, this sucks. And like take it out and play <laughs> something I like them better at, like Space Invaders. <laughs> all right. So is that all we got for ET? Yeah, that's all I've got for all ET. Right, we're going to move on to number three for me. Uh, and that is uh, Berserk. So. Berserk, if you're not familiar with that game, is kind of this like cool, you know, like you're in a maze and you got these like neat like uh, um, Buck Rogers like creatures, you know, with like the little like eyes that go side to side. (laughs) 
and uh, you're you know you're you're trying to just move through the map, but you want you have to kill all those robots. And you know the walls were like electrified or something. You could actually like shoot at eight different angles too. You that, could. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. You get those like weird diagonally looking bullets going down. Yeah. But it was. I love that game. It was really fun. I don't think it had an end. You just probably no. Continued. I don't think so. You just kind of go from like maze to maze to maze. But I, I love the sound effects of that game. It's so Atari. When I, you know, I was like watching a video of it, uh, just to. Try, you know, like get familiar with it again a bit. Because so I was like, I remember liking Berserk, but is it like one of those games where like I just have fond memories, but you know, watch some video of it and I'm like, oh, I really didn't care for it all that much. And like, no, I remember this game and I remember less sound effects and loving the robots and it had a cool look to it. And, and like when you would touch the wall and you would get like, <laughs> yeah, that was like startling. It like, was, every time. Dude. It, it, it was like jump. the. <laughs> it was like playing Operation, you know, like whenever you, no matter how many times you play Operation, you go in for that wishbone, you know it's coming, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah you'd hit a wall, you'd jump. <laughs> but I like too that the robots would actually hit the wall and they would blow up. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, that that was just basically the game. Yeah, I, I remember the robots at first, like the bullets be like, you know, like they're real slow, the bullets, and they yeah. get faster and a little more tricky as you go along. But, you know. And then that smiling face would come at you. Evil Otto. Yeah. God, I forgot about the name. Yeah, you were yeah. familiar with Berserk. Oh, sure. I know Berserk. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, box art image for a second. Oh, man. The box art. Like, I I always looked at the box art different than, like, what it actually was. Like, to me, you like, there's... There's a guy that's like shooting a robot, like on the box art, right? right. And he's like shooting through the robot's arm. But right. I never saw that as the arm. Like the shoulder, because it's got like these circles. Yeah. Like on the shoulder. Yes. That I guess is like, I don't know, like a pivot point or something. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. But uh, it it just seemed like, like the circles were like eyes. Mm-hmm. And it was like and where the arm was like coming down and it was like getting shot through it was like it was like puke or something like that robot's going like Whoa. yeah it was this really intense orange like looked like lava yeah like he's barfing and you ruined the illusion for me because you know we've been friends for years but we i guess we've just never talked about atari 2600 a whole lot like hey man what about that berserk box art yeah it just never came up you know. never came up so when you're explaining this like you're almost kind of like sheepishly telling me like oh man i never saw that for it was and then the whole time in my head i'm going what are you talking about so like and i pull up the image and i uh-huh. see like to me it looks like a giant bug with like you said the pivot points were eyes and he's like barfing the lava and it's like it's almost like it's barfing him on the head like it's just about to hit him yeah every time i saw that picture i thought that his shoulder was the head <laughs> and now i can't unsee it like now I just see the robot a little bit. So it's so funny. It's like, I'm realizing, I don't know when you actually started realizing, maybe it was just recently when you were putting it that together for your brother. Well, you saw it, it was before that, was it but, before that? but it was, it, it wasn't when I was a kid <laughs> though. I can tell you that. And that's some more great Atari box art and cover like that. The illustrations, I really enjoy those. Yeah. It's so seventies, but you know, like, I don't know how else to describe it. Then it just looks like album covers of its day, you know, just yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's before, you know, they, Nintendo made pixel art image, like the thing, that's just what you got. Um, but anyways, no more talking about the uh, imagery of the, of the cartridges. Um, Berserk, 
very simple game. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I love the sound effects. I thought it was a game that I could play again and again and again. It had a lot of replay value. But I guess a lot of those Atari games did have replay value because there was really no end to it. Yeah, I mean, it's all about the scores. All about the scores. High scores. Big deal back in the day. Yeah, and that we would used to like write the scores down oh, in yeah. the instruction manual. Yeah, because it didn't save them. Like you know, yeah. There was no battery backup in your games. You just kind of had to either take a Polaroid of it, I guess, or... You know, write it down and go on the honor system. Yeah, we didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we did either. The ca- first cameras I remember in my house were those like wind up y things, like, yeah. you know, take a snap picture. They probably cost $20, <laughs> disposable kind. Uh, although you guys had a vi- like a video camera in your house. I used to think you guys were rich. It's oh, like, damn, man, a video that, camera. <laughs> that, that was like, I don't know, late 80s, though. That was... I know, I know. Well, like, But I remember like America's Funniest, we're going on tangent again. I remember when America's Funniest Home Videos was like super popular at their time, and you guys actually, I remember thinking, oh, man, the rights could actually enter to win like the money, you know, <laughs> like if they were to like, have some hilarious situation where Mark got hit in the nards or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you guys never did. But so. yeah, and that thing was giant, too, because... Oh, it was like totally like late 80s. It was like one of those 80s. that actually like fit like the full-size VHS tapes in it. <laughs> well, it was over the shoulder, right? Yeah. You yeah. held the thing like a bazooka, and it had like the eye finder came around and met your eye. But uh, I, I don't know, you're talking about cameras. I just remember thinking, like, man, the rights have got to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. I don't know what it cost. But uh, Berserk, that's my number three. Nick, what do you got for number four? Uh, number four... Oh, um, a game I love that I actually never owned, and so I played at a friend's house all the time. That qualifies. But yeah, Keystone Capers. Never heard of it until just now. Love that game. It was so fun. It's like you're you're like this little like Bobby like little policeman, and you're running through like a mall to catch. Like, oh, is that what that was? They were escalators. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Atari 2600. Yeah, yeah. It's like a mall. There'll be like shopping it. carts that you can jump over, and like you get to one point, there's like an elevator that you have to choose whether, well, do I wait for the elevator to come down, or do I just like run past it and like run for the escalator and go up it and run on by? But, uh, and like there'll be like planes flying that you gotta duck under sometimes, but. Uh, yeah, you gotta catch the the criminal. Which I, I don't know if he just like escaped from jail he's wearing, or like, what. The black because, and white. Yeah, he's already wearing the black and white striped <laughs> That's outfit. That's what threw me. Because like, <laughs> why would a guy break out of prison and then go to the mall? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just like it's just he was like, look at me, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I, I guess he was like stealing like some actual like non-prison clothes or something. That was his first thought. But, uh, and the I funny it. thing though when you were watching a video of it because the guy that was playing on the video did exactly like I did every single time I play that game when you run up on the bad guy to catch him because all you gotta do is just like because you, your guy would run faster so you're like always like yeah the crook got a big head him. start right yeah he's got a big head start but he's slower than you are so so you you keep gaining on him and gaining on him so, and then eventually, you know, you just touch him and, and you've caught him and then you just kind of restart it and it's a little bit harder now and you just do the whole thing over again. Right. But always, 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 I would jump onto him. Like when I would get on him, I'd jump up on him. And, <laughs> I got your ass. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> and but yeah, the guy playing the video, he did that every single time too. He jumped up on oh, him. Oh, it warms your heart <laughs> to know that people play it the same way that you did. 
That's awesome, dude. It it looks like a fun game. Like I if I've never seen it or played it, but I bet if I had, it's I really liked fun. It. And it's yeah. an Activision game. And you know what I really liked about that game too is I noticed there was that little map on the bottom. Yeah, you could see in relation to the like there was a little white dot that was the bad guy. Yeah, and, and so you were the like you little. You can kind of see like what floor he's on. Yeah, and you can also see the elevator, like because the elevator is like right in the middle, and so you can see like there's a light for like each floor, so you know what floor it's on. To kind of judge, like, okay, I'm going to wait for the elevator here and meet him. Oh, and he turns around. He'll start running the other direction. Like, if he's if he's running, like, towards the elevator and you, like, go up, and he's not, oh, he'll change direction, he's not huh? just going to, like, meet you. He's not just going to keep running at you. He's going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> and he'll turn around and go the other way. <laughs> now, will he get back up to the top again somehow? Like, lose you? Or how does that work? Um, yeah, if he makes it up to the very top, like the attic or whatever it is, and if he gets to the end of it, then you've lost, like, okay. you, you lose a life or a game over, I forget what. But. I was having fun watching it and listening to you, ex- like, describe the game, and just seeing, like, the graphics were pretty revolutionary, it seemed to I me mean, like, for the time. I mean, it's nice, a game clean, I'm sad I missed. They're, they're nice, clean graphics. Yeah, Totally. I totally know what's there. I mean, like, I laugh. It's like, oh, that was an escalator, but it looks like an escalator. Yeah. So, man, Keystone uh, Keystone Capers. Yeah. Good game. Very simple game. I mean, you know, it's one of those where uh, the simplicity is really, I think, what makes it good. Mm-hmm. Just one of yeah, those. just a cop uh, trying to catch a bad guy, and you're yeah. just, you know, it's like playing tag. You know, you're just chasing after the guy. Yeah, it's fun. Cool. All right. Um, so my turn. I'm number f- my number four. Number four um, is a game that I initially forgot about, but I'm I'm like listing out games like what could be in my five, and you know like games like combat came up in my head. I'm like, well, I got to put combat in because that's just like a classic. But then I saw a, the name of a game and it totally rushed back, like it it washed over me like a wave. You know, like how much fun I had playing this game, and I'm sure you never heard of it, but it's called Plaque Attack. <laughs> And it sounds like a total waste of a game. You know, like, was that made by Crest or something? We were talking about, like, everybody had a game. No, it was another Activision game. And had really good graphics. And you're basically, it's going to sound so stupid. Okay, you're, you're inside a big mouth. Like, the top of the level is, like, gums. And then there's, like, four teeth <laughs> at the top. And then, like, gums at the bottom and, like, four more teeth. And it's set up like Space Invaders, kind of. I you're like, just like that you said it has really good graphics. <laughs> because I'm picturing where there's like, you know, this guy's mouth has like like four teeth on the bottom yeah. and four teeth on the he top didn't, or something. Look, he had, bad, he had a bad grill, okay? But the graphics were good, but he didn't have a full like mouth of teeth, okay? With big gaps in between. <laughs> yeah, them. man. It's like Michael Strahan all the way across. But they were clean graphics, okay? What they, they put on there um but but they (laughs) so you're this like floating uh tube of toothpaste and the point of the game is all this junk food's gonna try and you know get to the teeth and cause them like you know you know rot them more or less in fact like there's cheeseburgers like floating they're coming down like space invaders sort of you have to shoot it with the toothpaste and, uh, and, and as you're playing, you know, like you're, you only have so much toothpaste, like the, the, the tube is like rolling up, 
you know so like oh, i didn't realize that yeah so if you're playing it if you just shoot willy-nilly you like it's gonna be all the way up at the end you're not gonna have any more toothpaste and then you know like the cheeseburger will touch the tooth and it starts turning yellow and then it eventually like falls out and goes away so it and it gets crazy. Like it starts out with like three slow moving cheeseburgers and you it bat, looked bat, like bat. Space Invaders in a mouth. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> but it was fun. It played really well. It and um, you know, like it, it's kinda like um asteroids where you move your ship around or whatever, but you can move the toothpaste around. <laughs> like I said, I know it sounds like something they'd give to you free. Did it always shoot up or did Well, it- okay, so like level one is always shooting up. And the food will come down. Level two, you'd be facing down the other way. So, like every level, like you would oh, just you switch, flip flop, and yeah. focus on that set of mm-hmm. teeth. Exactly. So you couldn't like rotate it or anything. I guess that was just too much to ask. Uh, but man, it was yeah. Fun. We couldn't rotate Pac-Man, so <laughs> no hell no. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was surprised to see it was made by uh, I think Activision. So, you know, I mean, Activision has like a dirty name nowadays, I suppose, with microtransactions being the way they are. No. But, no. but I mean, for the 2600, you know, we've mentioned a couple of Activision games. Activision had the best 2600 games. They were great. They were great games. And th- this game was also great. So, um, it, <laughs> but again, it's probably one of those games where like if you're looking in a store, you're like, Plaque Attack? God, man, they're just throwing anything at us now. <laughs> Um, and I didn't buy it in the store. It was like, you know, like kids will trade. It was one of those deals where like, uh, this kid was like, well, I'll trade you plaque attack for your, you know, moon patrol or whatever. And I'm like, no way. It's like, okay, I'll give you a plaque attack and this other game for moon patrol. All right, let's do it. I'm sick of moon patrol. Why not? And I like, I put it in. I'm like, damn, this is fun. I'm like having a great time with this game. <laughs> and I played it again and again and again. And it's funny too, because like I said, you know, like I had not thought about this game in so long. You know, I, I traded Transformers, but I never traded 2,600 games. Well, I mean, it, by this point, I, it, it's funny too. Like you talk about, I talk about trading. I don't know what the system was, but I ended up with like three or four versions of combat. And I guess that was just like thrown in like in baseball trades. Like we'll give you, we'll give you, I'll give you plaque attack combat. Yes. Uh, And you know, I'll give you a couple of like guys who are like probably not ever going to make it to the major leagues. What are you thinking? Well, I've already got combat, but that's it's another two games to my one. So I, I, you know what? (laughs) But I think about Logan nowadays, and he would totally take the same Hot Wheel over and over again. And not like, I mean, I would understand if like you wanted like fire trucks or police cars. Like it makes sense to have the same car. But he'll get like, like my mom will get him a car, but then like she'll just not think and like buying the same car again. And she'll, she'll go to give it to him. And I'm like, Logan, you already have that car. He's like, I don't care. I want it. He just wants to open it and possess it. Like he just wants to possess this car. Mm. So he, he just accepts it. So maybe that's the same theory in play. Like, I'm just like, I want to possess a more Atari 2600 games than I had before. I don't care if I have duplicates. I'll, you know, I'll trade three of these for a bad game later down the road. You know, it's well, currency. Um, I'll trade you Keystone Capers for three combats. Yes. Deal. And, and I know I've mentioned that to you in the past. And you've I think you've always looked at me like, one. <laughs> and I think I'll even like pass it on to you like this thing that everybody does. <laughs> it seems to me like you're just like, 
I know he had multiple versions of combat. <laughs> Only you had multiple versions of combat. Was... Well, I do now because a friend that I used to work with was just like, I'm going to throw away all these 2600 games. Do you want them? Yeah, sure. I'll take them. So, and that's probably, there's a few games now that I've got duplicates of just because I got from her. And I think that's part of it too. Like I probably bought like a lot of games in a yard sale or something and it just came with combat maybe. But I remember having like just so many copies of combat. (laughs) So anyway, uh, that, that's my number four plaque attack. Nick, what's your number five? All right, man. Number five, best Atari 2600 game. Five is usually reserved for there is. Yeah. Uh, Pitfall. Pitfall, that's just a good game. I remember the commercial. I remember seeing that commercial back then. I don't remember the commercial. Yeah. uh, I'll have to, I don't know if I'll throw up a video of it or not, but, but just to show you like how much video games had crept into like, like, you know, pop culture, um, I remember seeing that, like watching TV, like, holy crap, there is a commercial for a video game on TV, yeah. but it was so popular. I mean, that it, it was the, the killer app. It was the street fighter two for super Nintendo. You know, it, it was the game that everybody wanted to have. And it was a lot of fun. I like that. Uh, you know, you could go either left or right and, yeah. you know, just kind of like choose your path and run and, you know, swing the vines across lakes and whatever. And mm-hmm. Jump on alligators' heads. Yeah. Fall down that pit and jump over scorpions. It, it felt like you were playing Indiana Jones. Yeah. It, it really did. did with that, like, you know, swinging on the vines or whatever. And then you'd, you'd find the treasure and pick up the treasure. But uh, I, I learned also that I, you know, because usually you, by nature... You, you go from left to right. Right. Video and, games have taught of that somewhere. Maybe Pitfall was the first game. Well, and, uh, but I learned though with Pitfall that when you died, you would come down on the left side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And so if you were, if you chose to go left to right, and you know, you can't, your timing is off and you're having trouble jumping across these alligators, then. You you know in one each you and you die, well you've got to do it over again because you you've fallen on the left side mm-hmm. and so now you're you're you still have to do it. Well if you went from if you turn the other way, and you're going from right to left and so you're running towards the left side now. If you happen to die, it'll put you safely on the other side. And so you it just would on. reverse the direction you fell down on where you started. Yeah, so, so you. you it, you could get past hard things and maybe progress a little bit more. Like if there was like a certain thing that you just really had a lot of trouble with. It's like a little built-in exploit. Yeah. So, yeah, it would put you... I mean, you'd lose a life, You would lose a life, yeah. But you would safely be <laughs> so on the other side. So you really lose two lives, really. Like you lose the yeah. life, you die, then you lose a life again. Because otherwise you may just, have just you know, you keep dying in that same spot and, you know, it just end up losing like all three lives or whatever. Lives were precious, you know, like with arcade games and stuff, like you could continue. No, no, like there really weren't continues like leaving off because games weren't linear like that, like they are now. You know, you just started over, your score started over. Oh, yeah, game over was game over. Yeah. So like in playing Galaga, you know, like, yeah, I want to get my ship captured, but I know that I'm really kind of throwing away a life. So I definitely got my highest score by doing that going towards the left 
and collecting treasure that way rather than going to the right. Cool. I don't know if I did that, honestly. I guess you don't think. Because I don't think that sounds so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, I was the guy like unscrewing things with butter knives. I know I'm not the only guy that did that. You know you people out there were using butter knives too. It's like yeah. a flathead screwdriver. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Pitfall was cool. Uh, I, I think it was like one of those first games that felt like it had not a purpose, but you weren't just stuck on one screen. Like you were moving along. Yeah. And uh, I like that it had two levels, you know, like you could go down a ladder or whatever. And then you're like on the sub level with the scorpion. The bottom was so hard though. It, it was, was really hard to jump over the scorpion. And yeah. it seems like, too, that... That tail was, like, up there. You would try to use it, like, maybe as a shortcut to bypass a lot of stuff that was up high that might be hard. But, like, you'd run along, and even if you could jump over the scorpion, sometimes you would, like, run into just a brick wall. You had to just turn around and go oh, all the way back like, and climb oh, up the no. ladder. Oh, I thought I was bypassing all that end. crap. All I did was make it harder for myself. Yeah, so, like, the bottom... Really, it just, the bottom just kind of sucked, and there's really no good reason to ever use the bottom, in my opinion. Yeah, well, unless you just thought it was fun to go down there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, uh, let's see what else about Pitfall? Pitfall. It's funny too. It's like Pitfall was like such a huge property then, but it it's one of those franchises that hasn't like been kind. Like video games hasn't been kind to Pitfall over the years. It, there was a resurgence in like yeah, the PlayStation. Yeah, the Super Nintendo era. they came out with like a new version. Um, what was it called? Pitfall Two. Yeah, Pitfall Two: Pitfall The Mayan 2. Adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, that was kind of neat. It was uh, it was a fun little game. I think they like. It was funny too. Like if you beat the game, that because like the I think the whole point of the game was like you had to save your dad, and so then like when you get to the end of the game, it unveils that your dad is like the square guy like from the 2600 game he, oh really he looks like a blocky square guy but you know like it's the game is now super nintendo graphics and everything yeah it's, it's fun you look up the ending it's okay funny. cool very meta <laughs> uh but i do remember when they also tried to re-bring it back out again like on the 32-bit consoles and stuff like there was was it in 3d or not I'm trying to remember. All I remember is that it seems like they they cast like some kind of known actor to be the face of him. I don't remember. And this. I want to say it was maybe Bruce Campbell or something. But they, there was a push. But the game sucked. Like the game was not fun, and that's why I'm thinking maybe it was a 3D game. Uh, I only remember the Super Nintendo one. Yeah, and I think it came out on Genesis too. They they tried to make Pitfall a thing again, but that game sucked so hard, and they put a lot into it that I think people were just like, "No, nah, we're done with Pitfall." We're on to bigger, better graphics and stuff now. So, uh, but you know, it'd be fun to pop in Pitfall and play it now. I'm sure you played it with the emulators. Oh, yeah. From time to it's time. It, is Jump there on. an ending in Pitfall? No, I you think just so. keep going. You just keep. It's got a timer. I remember the timer, yeah. You just run until the time runs out. Yep. Cool. Uh, shall we go to my final one? Yep. Another game that you really never play, which surprises me. But uh, I know I'm not alone. Yar's Revenge. Um, yeah, I, I know, like, I'm familiar with that one as being, like, a favorite 
amongst 2,600 fans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I never really played it. You know, like sometimes when you come across a game and it feels very much like, um, a, like a, like a hidden gem. Yeah. I always felt like Yars Revenge was one of those hidden gems that not a lot of people played or knew about. But boy, was I wrong! Like it shows up a lot in like people's tens. Like I top remember, like lists. the box art, and I mean, it looked cool. The yeah. box art looked cool. But the box the art game itself, I couldn't really ever figure out. It's as, as far as just from the pictures I've seen. Yeah, it's just one single screen. Okay, you okay? So on the left, there's you, and the center, there's like a force field. Yeah. And on the right, there's like... Because I think that's the thing that always got me, like when I would see a screenshot, is like, it, it looks like just like garbled mess, like a glitch or something. Yeah, yeah, it looks like static, a static TV or whatever. But the, the thing about the force field is there... Okay, so you start over here to the left, and you're trying to peck away at a shield of the bad guy on the right, and then, you know, you keep pecking at it like super breakout, like that kind of deal. Like one shot, like puts a hole in the shield but that it keeps moving so like the holes are kind of moving too yeah so you want to get an you want to get it open enough or also like space invaders when you're kinda shooting like at the uh that part in the tron arcade game where you're trying to hit like the master computer it's exactly like it yeah yeah you're like hitting the, the so you can't just like you can't just around. continuously shoot a spot open because if you shoot three or four times in a row you know one shot will hit, but that'll go up. Another shot will hit, that'll go up. So it just kind of becomes like, you know, just randomly look like randomly taken out pieces of the shield. So uh, it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> but yeah, that's you're right, like the Tron. Um, so you get enough pieces of the shield taken out, you finally can hit the bad guy. So, But the bad guy has this like little minion thing that kind of chases you around the screen. And it can kill you just from a touch like so many other games. So the force field, if you want to be impervious to the little guy that chases you around, you can go in there. So you're safe in that like little strip. Like he can't kill you inside of there. But the little dude, the enemy guy, every few seconds he'll kind of get aggravated and he'll shoot out at you. Like this, like he'll turn into some ball and just shoot out from right to left off the screen and then reappear back in his like little safety place. Mm-hmm. So like, that's just all the game is like, you know, you start out, he's got a full shield. You're pecking away at his shield. You try to get to a point where you can get it open enough enough to get the shot and you kill him. And it's just over and over and over and over again. It's just very simple, but man, it's addictive. It's like really, really addictive. It's like one of those first games where I just couldn't put down. <laughs> it's like, man, I know this game is really simple. There's not a lot to this game. Um, Except for high score, of course, just like with any arcade game. Yeah. Um, but I just really dug it. And I guess you're supposed to be like this. I don't know if you're in a spaceship or if you are a big bug creature, but you're shooting stuff out. I don't know if it's like your snout, but like the box art cover like, does yeah. make it look like you're a creature. It's, or something. it's like like a mosquito, big mosquito shooting out like marbles or something. <laughs> yeah, it's real trippy, dude. Real trippy. Like pinballs. Yeah, I don't know. Because they're all shiny, like silvery, shiny uh-huh. looking. Exactly. Um, again, it looks like something that could be on a Rush album cover. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that that's that's just Yara's Revenge. It's just again and again and again, repeating over and over and over. And uh, But it's it's a hook. It, it's got hooks. Like, it'll get you. So, that, you know, like that that's pretty much Yara's Revenge. In uh, and I think that 
what was it that uh was it when David Crane was at the Arcade Expo? Is that his name? The Pitfall guy? The, yeah. That uh, he was talking about Yars Revenge. and I don't remember this. Oh, uh, you, you might have left maybe. Yeah, I had to go. Uh, yeah, because he was talking about it a little bit. And he was saying like it got its name. I, I forget if it was like the boss or somebody. Somebody was named Ray. And they flipped that around to be Yars. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Cool. That's where that name came from. Well, there's your Nick's factoid yeah, I, for the I, episode. I have factoids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's another factoid. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, when when we got our 2600, you know, I kind of I mentioned before, you know, it was in the 80s when we got ours, and um, you know, we were still playing our 2600 well into after Nintendo Entertainment System is already out. Sega Master System is now out. Mm-hmm. Like, as you'd already talked about, it had such a long life. Yeah. Well, there was, at one point, I was at a Toys R Us, and, you know, I'm just kind of browsing around, whatever. And I noticed a Sega Master System controller had, you know, it's the control pad that's a lot like a NES style, you know. Yeah, I know where you're going with the this. Two buttons yeah. and the. And the um, it wasn't really a cross pad so much, but anyway, it, it's a lot like a Nintendo controller though. But anyway, I, I noticed on the, uh, the end of the plug and I forget how many pins it has now, but mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, I was looking at it and I thought it, it's shaped a lot like the 2600 control port is. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, I'm a, I'm doing it. I'm going to get one. I'm going to see what happens. So I buy this Sega Master System controller. All I have is a 2600. I plug the thing in there. It fits. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that thing works. That's awesome. <laughs> and That would not happen nowadays. No, that would not happen. But yeah, so a Sega Master System controller will work on the 2600 and you can play with like a nice little pad. I really like that controller too. Like I had the master it, system and it was a fun little system. And it works very well mm-hmm. with 2600 games. If if you if you want some kind of alternative from that joystick with the one red button, there's your little control pad there. Doesn't the Sega Genesis controller have the same input too? Like I want to say it may uh, have something similar. I think so. So yeah, I think I so. Think, I think you could probably use it too. I, I've never tried that though. Yeah, it's like the female connector, right? And you know, yeah. it's got like I don't know, like eighteen on the top and like twelve on the bottom or something. Oh, uh, it's less than that. It's but less yeah, than that. Okay, but there's more on top than on the bottom. Right. That's cool. That's a little. It's a good little factoid for you guys if you're ever out there and you're like, man, I want to play some uh, twenty six hundred, but I hate that joystick thing. Get yourself a, you know, Sega Master System pad for sure. Maybe even a Sega Genesis controller. I was very happy to find that word. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Uh, Okay. I I still have that, I'm pretty sure. Do you really? Yeah. (laughs) I wish I still had my old wood panel 2600. I'm sure we just sold it in the yard sale or something. I'd love to have one. And there you've got one too cuz like I I remember we were upstairs in your arcade room and I saw it like down on the floor. I was like, holy crap. It's it, baby. There it is. Wood paneled. (laughs) <laughs> in all its glory. So good for you, man. You don't ever get rid of anything. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. get rid of anything. And it's paying off big time <laughs> nowadays. I'm so happy that you never got rid of any of that stuff because it, it it seems like every other week you bring over a box full of goodies. <laughs> it's like, boom, here it is. 
All right. Well, that was fun, man. That was a cool like trip in the way back machine, way way back up mm-hmm. until like the years we were born, man. We were just little bitty kids when that came out. Yeah. And uh, so often when I think of like retro gaming, we go immediately to Nintendo. But we were both big Atari Twenty Six Hundred kids too. It's it's kind of what started it all. Yeah, uh, you know, the game crash was a bad thing, but for about five, six years, it was a hell of a ride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, it, it does my heart good to see that old Atari logo still. It makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, great logo. As good as all the other, like, current system logos are, that Atari logo is just the best. Yeah. It's so cool. Very iconic. Very iconic. And uh, it seems like every now and then, like, they come back, like, somebody will buy them. They'll go into bankruptcy or something, and somebody will buy, you know, just, they'll just buy the name because it's so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Even today, it's pretty recognizable. Um, you know, I was in, like, Target the other day, and I saw this shirt with the Atari logo, and I was like, wow, there's an actual shirt with an Atari logo on it. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, my kids didn't know what it was, but they do now. They're like, oh, kids, pull up a chair. Let its dad tell you about a story about the Atari 2600. See, there was this thing called the 2600, and it was, it led to the great video game crash of 1983. And I'm talking about it like it's World War II or something. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrible, you see. (laughs) Uh, But that's been our episode this week. Um, Thanks for joining us. Uh, If you liked the video, go ahead and uh, like it not like it anyway <laughs> if you don't if you're not a subscriber please you know press subscribe click the little bell icon so that you uh, know when we release new episodes we will try to release a new episode each and every thursday uh sorry we haven't released many episodes here recently but it, it's, yeah, it's been, been the, the holidays been the holidays hope you guys had a happy holiday uh merry christmas and a happy new year and all that good stuff uh we're gonna try and get back to back on schedule hopefully with weather weather permitting and all that yeah. good stuff Um, So anyways, uh, for this week, I've been Ron Avis. And I'm Nick Wright. We'll see you next week.